And that's what missionaries do. They sacrifice comfort, home, and many other things in life that they might be of service to the Lord. And of course, the Lord said, whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. Missions is uh, predicated upon sacrificial service. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. I trust today the Lord will draw near, bless your own soul, and fill you with his blessing. And today we're turning to our missionary message just after our Easter messages. What a wonderful thing to have a Savior who is now alive, ascended to glory, and who has announced that all power is given unto us. I want to read you that passage here in Matthew 28 and verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when he saw him, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This statement by the risen Christ to his own church gives excitement to the cause of the gospel. We ought never to despair in this work of reaching men with the good news that Jesus saves. The Lord has promised that he will empower, and of course that power is given to the ministry of his word. Now the vessels may be weak, because God uses weak vessels, and he puts this gospel into earthen vessels to show his own power. And so it is the power of the Holy Spirit at work, taking his own word and using it in the hearts of men. And so every preacher needs a high degree of confidence in the power of God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit to make it effectual within the heart. I trust that that will be true today in your own heart and to all who listen in. We pray that God's word will be the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Stay tuned with us as we have the Whitfield Choir singing, Here I Am, Lord. And then to the missionary text, Matthew 28, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel.
As I mentioned this morning, we would come tonight to Matthew 28, the final few verses, where the Lord Jesus is quoted by Matthew in these great words. And maybe you have one of those Bibles where the words of the Lord is in red. can be very helpful. Uh, there are Bibles, by the way, that the words of the Father are in blue, the words of the Son are in red, and the words of the Holy Spirit are in gold. And uh, it can be helpful. It goes against my Bible teacher, Dr. Douglas, who used to say, all Scripture is inspired by God, lest anyone gets the idea uh, that unless the Lord Jesus said it, it's not inspired, it's not equal in authority. But sometimes in our Bible reading, just a glance of the eye can tell you uh, who is speaking here. In the end of this chapter, in Matthew 28, verse 18, you have the Lord Jesus who came and spake unto them his disciples, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I really wanted us to sing that hymn, King of my life, I crown thee now. Why would any man, woman, young person give that kind of loyalty to the Lord Jesus? There is a story of a savage mission field where a native was converted to the Lord Jesus, and they made him chief of the tribe. And the uh, long-term history was that these native people soon discovered that those that were converted to Christianity, the missionaries' religion, that they made good tribal leaders. But this one was poisoned. Somehow he had an enemy who had uh, had it in for him, and he was poisoned and died. So his brother stepped up, and the missionary said to him, uh, Have you considered taking the position as chief of this pagan tribe? And he said, Yes, I have prayed about it, and I believe that I should accept the situation. And then the missionary said, But do you realize the risk that it involves? Your brother was poisoned uh, because he took that office and made uh, an enemy. And the brother said, yes, I know that. I do not know what day I may be poisoned, but what a great opportunity to serve my people. I think you can agree with me tonight that that native was well converted. He had the missionary spirit that he was willing to sacrifice and even risk his life that he might serve his people. And that's what missionaries do. 
they sacrifice comfort, home, and many other things in life that they might be of service to the Lord. And of course, the Lord said, whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. Missions is uh, predicated upon sacrificial service. And if you're not willing to sacrifice and to endure, even for little recognition or none at all, or even to make enemies in doing so, well, you're not a missionary. You cannot become a missionary of the cross. Now, why would anyone, therefore, take up such a task? Because the Lord Jesus, he takes us captive at the cross. And Calvary eclipses all the power of the thrones of this world. And what earthly power can dethrone self and unseat man but the cross? That's the only power in the world that enables us to die to self and to offer ourselves in sacrificial service to the Lord. Someone said that an earthly monarch has been known to kill just by a look, and his gaze would strike such terror into the heart of his subject that he would just fall dead. Well, the Lord Jesus, he does not strike terror into the hearts of his subjects, but he strikes love, loyalty, and a yearning to serve him. There is a text in Psalm 110 that says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Sinners will be willing to repent. Men and women who love Christ will be willing to serve him and give their lives to the extension of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you're saved tonight, if you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. You know the attitude that is now born in you because there is an immediate loyalty to Christ and the cross, an affinity, an interest. I can remember in my early converted days, maybe just days or weeks after I had come to know the Lord, and I had heard on radio, on the farm, in the milking parlor, the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. And that struck joy in my heart that I remember to this day the old rugged cross, despised and hated. Have you ever been despised and hated because you're a Christian, because you profess faith in the Lord Jesus? Well, as in the early church, Christians bear that reproach gladly. It's called taking up your cross, denying self, and following the Lord Jesus crowning the Lord as king of your life. Now, in this text that we've looked at here tonight, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Christ is already crowned king. He that was crucified rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, appeared to his disciples, and announced that he was the head of a kingdom. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I want us to look tonight at what the king does for his people. Isn't that a great subject? What the king does for his people. 
And as you look at this text, you'll see here the first thing the king does, that he gives his people good laws. He said here in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The Christian life is not doing our own bidding. We now want to know the will of God. And the Lord has given commands. He has given his subjects laws to live by. And the law of God is not abrogated. It's not set aside. It is now the rule of life. You want to know what pleases your heavenly Father? You want to know what exalts your Savior? You want to know how to walk in fellowship with him? As Enoch walked with God, as you would walk with God, then you must rejoice in his law. Now, this law is written in his word, but it's also written in our hearts. This is the miracle of the new conversion, where the Lord said, I will do a new thing and write my law upon the fleshy tables of our hearts. You know that in Ezekiel. It's also in the book of Hebrews, and it's the great miracle of our conversion. And every Christian is known because they delight in the law of the Lord just like the psalmist in Psalm 1. We delight in the law of the Lord. We're not fighting it. We rejoice in it. God is our good king. The Lord is our good king. And he has given us these good laws. In 1 John 5, 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. In other words, we don't find them irksome. Now, the carnal man does. The law of God to him condemns him. The law of God seems to be his enemy. But to us, the law of God is our friend. It is our guide. It is to lead us in that good way of the king, whereby we will know his blessing and his help. Now, the king's laws are for the happiness of his subjects. Every good king works for the good of his people. And we tonight have the best of all kings. We have one who loved us, laid down his life for us, and now seeks to rule our hearts. And of course, his plan of happiness is holiness. Because the Lord Jesus knows that for his subjects, his people for whom he died, who profess his name, that if we are to be a blessed people, We must be led in the path of holiness, because with God, holiness is synonymous with happiness. Our God is happy. He's joyful. He's joyful in his holiness. But the moment we sin, the moment we break the law of the Lord, then we're bringing misery upon ourselves. And that's the world all around us. Why is the world in such a mess? Why is there such suicide, depression, and societal problems, family problems, when they break that very commandment, honor thy mother and father, that thy days may be long upon the land? That's one of the greatest foundational commandments of society, to honor and to obey our parents. They brought us into the world. They have the responsibility to see that we walk aright in the ways of God. And, of course, the king's laws are all about conforming us into the likeness of the Lord Jesus. 
What is conformity to Christ? I hear a lot of people speak about that, and defining it seems to be rather dubious. You know, I don't look like you, and you don't look like me. I'm fat, some people are thin. I'm short, some people are tall. Uh, we've got all different personalities. Some people are jokey, some people are very serious. Now, can you say that that person's ungodly because they're somewhat, you know, got a sense of humor? Or can you say that person, he's godly because he doesn't say much, very quiet? You, we're all different people, but we're all praying to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to be conformed to the likeness of the Lord? It really means to do the things he does, and to love the things that he loves, and to walk in the path that he walked. That's godliness. We have a gospel that is according to godliness, where we hate sin and repent of it. We flee from temptation. That's walking in the law of the Lord. How can I flee from temptation or from sin if I don't love his law? And so this law is that we be conformed into the likeness of the Lord Jesus. And when God's laws are applied to our lives, they elevate us. They make us walk on a higher plane. You see, this world drags us down. The temptations, the sad standards, the so sorry standards of this world drag men down. But the law of the Lord, the ways of the King, they exalt us. We can lift up our heads with joy and look into the eyes of the Lord and be rejoicing in his presence. There's no shame. There's no uh, self-incrimination or self-pity in walking in the light and the law of the Lord. So, if you want a, a, a good, happy, steadfast life, rejoice in the laws of your king. And here is what we're to do as a church, teaching them to observe all things that whatsoever I have commanded. Should we teach our children the Ten Commandments? Should we be learning them ourselves? Should we be walking in the moral law of God? Yes, these are the laws of the King. And as we make these known and persuade men to walk in them, we lead people into the way of blessing, into the good laws of a good King. Now, I have one more thought on this. Now you can sing, King of my life, I crown thee now. See, if we don't love his law, if we don't love to do the will of the Lord, can we really say, uh, King of my life, I crown thee? If you're not walk, seeking to walk in his light and to do his will, should we accept immigrants into Canada who won't keep the laws of our country? Now, whether they're refugees or whether they be immigrants, for whatever reason, should we give them citizenship in our country, in Canada? Now, I'm an immigrant, and I'm talking about our country, because when I came here, I had very intent to keep the laws of the land. Of course, it was easy, because when you went to uh, Surrey City Hall, you have a picture of the Queen. That's my heritage. I grew up honoring the Queen of England. And when I saw her picture in the municipal building in Surrey, well, I rejoiced. My, it's going to be great living here. We're under the same rule. We're under the same headship. 
But if people come to this country and say, I have no interest in keeping the laws of this land, or I'm going to change them whenever I have some position, do we want multitudes of people like that? Should we then baptize people into the life of the church who have no interest in the laws of the king? That's the question. And sadly, that's the issue in modern evangelicalism today. They say, well, just sign the card, get baptized. We're not going to worry about how you live as long as you profess and as long as you come and as long as you give of your time and money. We'll be happy. But no, we're to teach them, we're told, before we baptize them, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So the church is to have a teaching ministry and to insist that the Lord's subjects, the children of the king, keep his laws. Also, this king gives us his presence. Did you notice here in this text that the Lord goes on to say in verse 20, Lo, I am with you always. What a wonderful promise this king makes. I don't think there's an earthly king that can, can make that kind of statement. And for a man to betray his fellow citizens would be very horrible and say, well, I won't walk with you. I won't be present with you again. But all the more for a king to break his word, it would be unthinkable. Give them hearts for love 
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. I trust that today the Lord has ministered to you. And on this uh, week after Easter, let us stir our hearts to go forth with the great message of the gospel. Christ has died for us. He is risen, ascended in glory, and we serve a risen Savior. There is nothing more that will give an impetus to missions than the knowledge of the living, resurrected Christ. I want to read to you just a few little thoughts here from Mr. Spurgeon on missions. If there be any one point in which the Christian church ought to keep its fervor at a white heat, it is concerning missions. If there be anything about which we cannot tolerate lukewarmness, it is in the matter of sending the gospel to a dying world. There is a prayer I mean to continue to offer until it is answered, that God would pour out on this church a missionary spirit. We tell our young men in the college that they must prove that they have not to go, or else their duty is clear. All other things being equal, ministers should take it for granted that it is their duty to invade new territory unless they can prove to the contrary. You will never make a missionary of the person who does no good at home. He that will not serve the Lord in the Sunday school at home will not win children to Christ in China. I remember one who spoke on the missionary question one day saying, the great question is not, will not the heathen be saved if we do not send them the gospel? But are we saved ourselves if we do not send them the gospel? Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. My, these sound like strong words from Reverend C.H. Spurgeon. And yet they are searching words because if you have the love of Christ in you and are convinced that Christ died for you and rose again, yes, you will be a missionary of the cross. Stay tuned now for these closing announcements, please. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 
2040. The mailing address is 1879058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.